14. John chapter 14. Amen. So, John chapter 14, and uh, let's read uh, verses, well, let's start in verse 1. The Bible says this, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what we're looking forward to. Amen. And so, real clear there, the Lord uh, has prepared a place. He says, I go. It's not prepared already, pre-advanced, predestined. The Lord says, I got something to do. I'm going to go and uh, prepare a place for you. He's talking to believers. I hope that includes you this morning. Go to Matthew chapter uh, 25. Matthew chapter 25. Now, there's religionists that believe in God. The Bible says the devils believe in God and tremble. But Jesus made a point to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. All right, Matthew 25, and look with me in verse 41. This is the Lord speaking here, too. And he says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed. You don't want to hear that. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So uh, the Lord, but for the two verses that we read there, we see that the Lord has prepared two places. Not three, not five, two. Two places. In the first place, uh, we know it as heaven. It's splendor. Uh, defies description. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1, but as it is written, uh, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And truly, heaven defies description. I like reading in Revelation and trying to get a glimpse of the uh, uh, very detailed description, but sometimes it's hard to Yet, well, no marvel, because the verse in 1 Corinthians tells us that it's beyond our ability. Neither have entered into the heart of man. Uh, my wife uh, drags me into museums and stuff. I mean, after all the national parks and the cool stuff, uh, you know, we run out of cool stuff, and she makes us go to art museums and stuff. No, truth is, I've seen some really fabulous stuff. And what amazes me is that, uh, is that a lot of the most famous works of art that are preserved in museums, I mean, I've been to D.C., I've been to the Met in Manhattan, and, uh, and uh, a lot of them just depict the kind of thing that God does on a daily basis, sunset, sunrises, trees, forests, children, you know. That's what man's trying to do is imitate God. I've seen some artwork that attempts to, to uh, put in a visual aspect this place where we're looking forward to going. And uh, some of Dr. Ugman's paintings are just, they're marvelous. They just, they set the mood, they get, give you a taste, but truth be known, 
they pale in the comparison of how wonderful it's going to be. The Bible says, neither have, entered the heart, uh, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Uh, as hard as you might try to imagine it, it's just mark it down like this. It's better than that. But the second place, and we saw that in Matthew 25, is the place we call hell. Uh, referred to in the Bible as a lake of fire. They're not identical, but they're close enough. Amen. And, uh, and uh, just it defies description too. Amen. I mean, just as truly as the first verse applied, the first Corinthians applied to the verse about the things that God prepared for them that love him, there's been a place prepared for those that reject him, that reject his grace, that reject the sacrifice Jesus Christ made, and, and it defies description, too. I mean, the worst possible scenario that you can try to imagine, I mean, the most horrible thing, everybody's got their little secret fears or whatever. Let me tell you something. If you're afraid of something, don't tell anybody. That's what they'll tease you with. Amen. Whatever it is that you might just be terrified of, the worst case scenario, let me just say, hell's worse than that. Amen. And so, you know, a question we often ask in personal work is, is, do you know where you'll spend eternity? And if you do any personal work, you'll find a lot of different responses. But truth of the matter is, from the Word of God, there are only two possibilities. So I want to take this time and preach to you this morning a little bit about heaven and hell. All right? Father, we do come to you again in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for making heaven available to us by your grace and real to us through your book. And pray and ask God that we'd be able to put the cares of this life on the back burner, so to speak, for a little while and, uh, and anticipate what you have prepared uh, that'll sure take the edge off the cares of this life, I've noticed. Uh, help us, Lord God, to uh, be mindful of where we were saved from, and, uh, and maybe we'd be thankful that we're not going to have to worry about that place called hell, but perhaps somebody in here today is not saved. I pray that they might get a glimpse of the contrast between the two and make the decision today once and for all to make sure they end up in the right one. I love you, Lord. I pray that you be pleased with the preaching and the response to it. Meet with us. We ask you. We need you. And we pray in Jesus Christ's magnificent name. Amen and amen. So, two places, heaven and hell. They're very different. Very different. Boy, that's an understatement. Take your Bible. Go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. And look with me in verse 23. Revelation 21, there's a lot about heaven in Revelation. Yeah, a lot about, uh, a lot about things I'm glad I'm not going to see. And then a lot about uh, after the great white throne, about that place that he's prepared that we're talking about this morning. Verse 23, Revelation 21 says this, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb of God, and the Lamb, I'm sorry, is the light 
they're up. So just say something about heaven. There's light. Oh, yeah. There's light in heaven. There's more light than the sun or the moon would provide. The Bible tells us the glory of God did lighten it. Now, a verse that we use uh, uh, in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, the Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When the preacher came to the jailhouse uh, uh, many years ago now, and uh, I was skeptical. I didn't want to be there in a church service. And, uh, and he uh, walked in with a Bible, and he says, uh, We're going to see what this Bible says about you. And there were several of us in service. And I thought to myself, well, that's a big book, and you don't know me, and it's obviously uh, obvious that me and you are very different. And, uh, and uh, uh, he opened that thing to Romans chapter 3 and read that verse, all have sinned, and I remember thinking, man, that didn't take long. He went right to the verse. You know what? Because I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's all. All means all. Amen? And uh, so you try to figure out maybe in your little mind what the glory of God actually is. And, and it's easy to see. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, I probably come short, if you're honest, if you're honest. But I just want to point out that Revelation 21, 23 tells you specifically who the glory of God is. It said there, it says, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the the light thereof. So when you, when you think about yourself as a sinner, you may think, well, compared to so-and-so, I'm pretty good, and you may very well be, and I never did this, this, or this, and, you know, by society standards, and that all may be true. You might be a pretty good fella. You might be a pretty good gal. But I'm telling you what, the glory of God is Jesus Christ, and on your best day, friend, you have come short. I say all that say this, there is light in heaven. We're talking about some things that heaven and hell uh, uh, are very different regarding, and in heaven there's light, there's none in hell. No light at all. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 30 says, uh, continuing from what we read earlier, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Outer darkness. That's even darker than inner darkness, I guess. And, uh, and uh, there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. No light. Very different. No light in hell. Plenty of light in heaven. Uh, tell you something else. There's water in heaven. There's water. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Revelation 22. Uh, uh, you can hold your place in Revelation, late part of Revelation, and see some of these. And... Verse 17, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. There's water in heaven. Oh, a lot of water. Amen. Uh, conversely, there's not one drop in hell. Luke 16 and verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that may dip the tip of his feet in water. I mean, this guy, this guy, this rich man that went to the wrong place, uh, he's asking for a drop, man, and he can't get it. I was in prison one time in, in preaching, and uh, 
and uh, the guy's got bad case, and he's going to go to prison, and his wife left him, and his world's exploding, and I, I get it. I didn't, uh, I wasn't offended when he said, you know, all that's well and good, but this is hell. And he's talking about being locked up. He's talking about his world coming apart. It's not even relevant that it was all his fault. It wasn't him. This is hell. And I get it. I understood. It, it seemed hopeless. Seemed, But I said, let me tell you why this isn't hell. And uh, where we were, I said, you know, you go north out of here a few miles, and there's that big old lake. You know that lake? And he goes, yeah. And in that river that feeds that lake? And he goes, yeah. And you guys know about a lake, don't you? And I said, that thing's full of water. This ain't hell. There's no way this is hell. That, there ain't no water in hell. Not at all. Amen. And uh, tell you something else. Revelation 21 and verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says this. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. And there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's no pain in heaven. A lot of people in pain these days, different reasons. And uh, boy, I tell you what, this world, the medical community, they're coming up with solutions to that. I preach in churches, I mean, I would be a hesitant to venture a guess at how many people are medicated in Bible-believing churches from one week to the next. And I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for some of that stuff, but won't it be good to get to a place where we won't need any of that stuff? We won't need doctors. We won't need medication. We won't need therapy because there's no pain in heaven. The Bible says the former things are passed away. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Like a preacher said a couple years ago, they did a, they did a knee. The VA did a knee. Uh, I put that off for 40 years, and, uh, and uh, finally I went down there. I said, can you guys help me out? I said, where have you been for the last 20 years? I said, I don't remember. I, I don't really recall. But, and uh, they gave me a uh, knee replacement, and it went really good. And uh, I went back for a checkup six months later, and they said, how's your knee? And I said, man, it feels good to be out of pain. I said, what else you got? And they said, well, your shoulder is pretty tore up. We'll give you a shoulder. And six months after the knee, I let them give me a shoulder. And praise the Lord, man, that thing really was a blessing. I went back six months later and uh, had a checkup for that. And they said, how's all that going? I said, good. They said, what else? And I said, no, I'm good for a while. <laughs> Believe me, that was enough. A couple surgeries was enough. I had to get back on the road. Amen. Well, I'll tell you something, there's plenty of pain in hell. Amen. And that Bible says about that rich man in Luke 16 that he was tormented in this flame. But I'll tell you what. You know, I thought uh, when I was a lost guy and a gang member and everything, I thought I was a pretty tough guy. And, uh, and uh, you know, that preacher preached out of Luke 16 and, and read those passages that I just quoted like tormented in flame. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to admit it to no preacher or anybody else, but in the quietness of my cell in the weeks that followed, I, I came to this reality. Uh, I ain't tough enough for that. I, ain't, I don't want no part of burning forever. 
I didn't even know if the Bible was true or not, but on the outside chance that it was, I was honest enough with myself to admit, "Uh uh-uh, buddy, I can't take that. Amen. And uh, there's plenty of pain. There's physical pain. I'll tell you what, there's another kind of pain in hell. And uh, Luke 24, I'm sorry, Luke 16 and verse 27, that rich man said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him, Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren uh, to testify. There's a pain in knowing that the bad example that you set is going to bring loved ones to that same place. Boy, there's a mental pain and anguish. There's got to be a, a, a mental anguish that would go along with lifting up your eyes in hell, regardless of what you believe today. When you, everybody in hell is a Bible believer. There's got to be something with, with, with realizing that this situation was avoidable. I mean, you reap what you sow, that's one thing. But when you find out that Jesus Christ went to the cross to make a way for your sins to be forgiven solely so that you wouldn't have to go to hell, and bless God, you just went anyway. Boy, talk about adding insult to injury. I don't know what would, would hurt worse. Amen? Uh, be an actual physical pain or, or knowing you didn't have to be there. Amen? Uh, there's, uh, there's light in heaven, but there's none in hell. Uh, there's water in heaven. I mean, drink of the water of life freely must be a lot. Amen? Uh, not a drop. Not a drop in hell. And uh, there's, no, there's no pain in heaven, but that's all there is in hell. You know, in hell, people want out. They want a way out. And uh, it ain't happening. Uh, there's no praying anybody out. Amen. That's not my opinion. That's not my Baptist stand. That's just Bible. Amen. Uh, there's no purgatory. Amen. It just, it's not a Bible doctrine. Although, I'll tell you what is, though. Uh, we used to travel in that Greyhound bus. We, we came here back when we had that bus 20-some years ago. And, uh, and uh, so I had four girls, three girls, three girls and a boy. And uh, it was like being on a ship because everybody had a little spot. And every time one of the kids would get married, we'd make their spot bigger. And, uh, and uh, no slide outs. I mean, it was like living in a hallway. And uh, one of the... I don't know if it was my wife or one of the girls that said, living in a bus with Dave Spurgeon is like being in spurgatory. <laughs> so there's no purgatory in the Bible, but there could be a spurgatory. And pray for her. She's been in purgatory for 24 years. Amen. And I know it may not seem like it, especially to her sometimes, but I've made little progress. Amen. Bible says in Luke chapter 16 and 26, and beside this, and this is Abraham talking to that rich man, Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, uh, that would come from thence. There's no getting out. Amen. I mean, if there, uh, the only reprieve from hell is that probably a very brief period where a person stands before the great white throne, and then uh, death and hell and the dead who are in them is cast into the lake of fire. It's like going from the 
county jail to the, to the big house. Uh, conversely, people in heaven wouldn't come back if they could. Boy, we miss them, don't we? But uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Sister Albert Kowsk, uh, Adam Kowski is missing her husband right now, and Brother Albert's up there going, "Wow, I've been praying for this, preaching for this, preaching about this, looking forward to this for a couple decades now." And uh, he's looking back over his shoulder. I speak as a fool, and uh, Savannah can't wait for him to get here. Amen. Because people in heaven wouldn't come back if they could. <clears throat> I can prove it. Uh, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that sounds like brave talk. You know, I'm ready to go, come heller. But he, he knew what he was talking about. According to 2 Corinthians 12, he had been there. And he got sent back because he had work to do, like finish that Bible that is so precious to us. Amen. But I noticed this, at the end of his life, even though he came back, and I'm sure he, you know, enjoyed the fellowship and serving God, boy, at the end of his life, he said, for the time of my departure is at hand. Amen? For I'm now ready to be offered in the time my departure is at hand. He got a glimpse, boy. He got a real glimpse. And he was ready to go back the whole time. Amen. Heaven and hell are very, very different. Uh, God prepared them both. For two separate groups, make sure you're in the right group. Amen. I just want to say this, as different as they are, they do have some things in common. Uh, besides the person that made them. Uh, both places know about the Lord's mercy. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. The Bible says God's rich in mercy. And God's rich in everything. Amen. He owns the hills, the cattle. I mean, I mean, God. But I read that one day in Ephesians 2 years ago, and I thought of all the things that God needed to be rich in, to save the likes of me, was mercy. I'm glad he's rich in mercy. And uh, everybody in heaven right now is there because they got in on his mercy. Amen. I tell it like this: uh, When I get there, I'm gonna look up the, I'm gonna look up the uh, maniac of Gadara. That guy and me would have probably been friends. He was kind of loose. And uh, when I find him, I'm gonna say, uh, "Take me to the thief that died on the cross, that convicted felon that was executed." And uh, he's gonna know. Well, they've been up there a couple thousand years together. He's gonna know right where he is. I know where he is too. He's gonna be at the feet of Jesus Christ. And I said, take me, uh, and I want to meet him too. And why, Brother Spurgeon? Because the three of us, boy, we're going to shout it out. We're going to have a time. This is why. Because three of us are going to know beyond absolutely no shadow of a doubt that the only reason we're there is because of God's mercy. I have no misconception in my mind why I'm going to heaven. I have no. I did not turn over a new leaf. I did not go straight. I got saved because of the mercy of God. It says this. Uh, it says this in uh, in somewhere in the Bible, Luke 18 and 13. It says about that rich man and publican. It says, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes 
unto heaven, but it smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, that's a ticket right there. Amen. Uh, let us therefore come boldly on the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. And you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. God is rich in mercy. And I'm glad I got in on it. It says in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, Not by works of righteousness, uh, which we have done. I, I was not going anywhere based on that. Uh, but there's an awful lot of people in this country and in this world that are, are, are basing their hope of eternity on their works of righteousness. And some of them uh, might read that, and I don't know how they might explain it away, and a crying shame is that many that would claim to be saved might be saved because they were faced with the decision of their sin uh, and the gospel. Uh, may just not even know what's in there because the Bible's not being preached the way it should. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, truth be known, most people, if they got real honest with themselves, you're, would admit their righteousness they ain't going to get them into heaven. It said, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us uh, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, i got to say this. I wonder if people like me uh, don't have a better appreciation for their salvation because we know we didn't deserve it. Not one bit. But as soon as I say that, i got to say this to you. Why isn't keeping a young man or a young lady out of the muck and mire, the horrible pit of this world, why isn't that even a bigger deal than bringing somebody like me and maybe some of us out? Amen? Let me tell you something. There's nothing I respect more than a young man or a young lady that will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as a young person and as they mature in the Lord, purpose in their heart, I'm not going that way. And that's the choice I respect. And if the Lord tarries, you're the generation that's going to be, do a lot more for God than people like me. Amen? I just want to say thank God for His mercy. Now, I said uh, uh, people in both places know about His mercy. People in hell know about His mercy, too. Uh, first thing that rich man said when he lifted up his eyes was, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. <laughs> first thing he said. And uh, you know what, he just, he had the information, obviously. He just didn't act on it, the correct side of his last breath. But sure enough, it's the first thing out of his mouth. There are people in churches in America today that are hearing the gospel. I mean, we invite and, and, and try to get people under the uh, sound doctrine of the Word of God, and, and they come to church, and maybe they hear a little differently than they're used to or whatever, but, but the truth, the Bible says you should know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And people come into churches, and they hear the truth, and, and, but they fail to act. And when we give an invitation, all the things go through your head. What will I have to give up? What will people think? And your priorities are, I understand that's our humanness, but your priorities are misplaced if, 
any secondary thought would keep you from getting in on the mercy of God, especially in light of the fact the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. When the Adam Kowski family got on that boat on Friday afternoon, they were eight days away from the Spurgeons coming, and, but it didn't turn out that way. Things change fast. And this is the thing you want to get nailed down while you can. And if you're breathing, you can. And if you're in here today, and thank God you're all here, and I'm a visitor uh, myself, a guest preacher, and some of you I look around and I've known for years, and, and some of you I don't know. Amen. And what I'm saying is this, you know, you all clean up nice, look nice. I don't know if you're saved or not, but you do. And if you're not, boy, I would, I would beseech you with everything that is in me to get in on God's mercy while you can. Amen? Because uh, the people that don't, they're going to know they missed it. Amen? Don't miss it. Things heaven and, he heaven and hell have in common. Take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, can I say heaven is not going to be boring? You know, people say, well, Christians, that's a, what a boring life. I want to be where the action is. Man, I joined the paratroopers when I was 18, joined a bike gang at, at 21, rode around the country for 15 years, got saved, and the last 31 years of my life have been the most exciting of my life. <laughs> Christianity is not boring to me. I have called upon the Lord. I have asked him to show me great and mighty things, and I've seen him do some things. I was in a prison in, uh, in uh, uh, mid-Ohio in June. I went in there, 120, they gave me 125 uh, convicts, and, uh, and a guy came up to me in the beginning of the service, and he says, uh, you knew my dad. And uh, you and my dad rode together in the 70s, and he told me his name, and he gave me enough information that he was telling the truth. But people tell me all kinds of things. And uh, I don't care about Claire setting the record straight. What I care about is getting them to Jesus Christ. So, but he was honest. I did know his dad. And, uh, and then I said to him, I said, son, are you saved? He goes, no. No, I, I've never even been to church before. I only came because I, they passed out flyers, you know. I only came because you're here. I read your book and, uh, and all that. And I said, son, you need to listen to what I'm going to say. Amen. And, uh, and because you need to get saved. And he just looked at me like you'd look at somebody if they were speaking another language. Boy, and I'll tell you what, I give them about 50 minutes of how good God's been to me, and seven men got saved that morning, including him. You know, the devil tried to discourage us just like he does you. And God gives me something like that every once in a while. Boy, I can go a long way on that. I've seen him do great and mighty things. No industry in the world can do what God does on a regular basis. Amen.
So, 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 uh, this, I'm, we're talking about heaven now. We're talking about the other side. Revelation chapter 4, we're talking about a lot of activity going on. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, and the Bible says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when they got done, they said it again. And when they got done, they said, said rest not day and night. Look at verse 9. I'm just saying all that to say this. Uh, heaven's not going to be boring. Verse 9, uh, it says, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thank to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, then four and twenty elders fell, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor, glory, and honor, and power. Just like it says. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Let me tell you something, friend. Hollywood, NFL, nobody is going to come up, ever come up with anything that compares to that. Going to be a lot of activity. Here's the good part. I mean, it ain't like watching a movie. I want to be there. I want to, you know, weasel my way down into a front row seat at this thing. You know, a lot of people make a lot of this mansion in heaven. It says, uh, in my father's house are many mansions. And, and uh, our lady saying, I've got a mansion over the hilltop. It was great. She did a great job. It's a precious hymn. But then she said this, that's my favorite song. And that struck me funny. And I thought to myself, that's your favorite song? I've got a mansion over the hilltop? Amen. And uh, I wondered what all this emphasis on mansion was. And I figured it out. I figured it out. Um, maybe it's because they plan on staying home a lot. Like some of you are going to do this week. Did I say that? I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't a cow potato when the Lord saved me. I was out and about every day. And when I get up there, I don't plan on sitting around at home. There's going to be a lot of activity going on. I get to get in on it. Are you going to be there? Plan on getting in on it? Okay, let me see. It's Monday. We probably should be there Monday. But, you know, Tuesday, i got to mow the lawn. Lord probably won't care if we're not down there worshiping at his feet. <laughs> you got the point, didn't you? All right. There's going to be plenty of activity in hell, too. It says in Matthew 13 and verse 42, and she'll cast them into a furnace of earth, furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth forever, continually. Weeping, crying, gnashing. That's a grit of your teeth so bad. You wish you're dead. And that's never going to stop. And there are people that have been down there for thousands of years. And they're going to be down there until, let me see, the Lord comes, the tribulation comes, the millennium comes. They're going to be down there for a while before they get any relief from that. And they're going to wish they were back there when they get what's coming. 
And to me, that's all historical stuff because I ain't gone. Bible says the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, again, there's two parts to this torment. There's going to be the physical, but what about the mental anguish of knowing they didn't have to be there? If the devil would just read the Bible, he'd find out he loses. Maybe he could. Well, that's what stinking pride will do. Because there are people that hear preaching, maybe even, even been witness to, and see that it's clear that you're going to end up in the wrong place. And something about it, something about that thinking pride, walk out, bless God, I'm not going to get saved. I feel sorry for you if that's anybody in here. Amen. But it exists. I know this. Uh, some things heaven and hell have in common. They know Jesus Christ is Lord in both places. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everybody in heaven knows they got in on it. They got in on it because they trusted Jesus Christ. And hell's going to be full of people that prove that to be true by trying it some other way. And he's the way. And he's the truth. And he's life. And there isn't any other way. And everybody in heaven got in there because they chose Jesus Christ. And everybody in hell is there because they didn't. But they knew that they should. Everybody in both places knows the Bible's true. Spoke on the Bible this morning. Revelation, I'm sorry, Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Brothers Persian, how did you get saved? Called upon the name of the Lord. Hello. That's what works. But I'll tell you what, it says, uh, uh, everybody in heaven did that, but it says in Revelation 20, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Bible says that. And everybody in both places right now knows those two verses are true. Right. Tell you something else they got in common. They both last forever. John 3.16, thank you, brother, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, because it says everlasting life, it's not talking about physical death when it says perish. The Bible says we have an appointment with death. Amen. And with judgment. The life is everlasting in the context, so then is perishing. Uh, that means this. Uh, it's uh, everlasting life versus everlasting death. And, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what. We all got that appointment with death and judgment, but whichever lasting you get is determined by what you do with Jesus Christ. Period. The Bible says the wage of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And eternal life means, I had some guys say, well, I think you can lose your salvation. I said, okay, really? And so I looked up the definition to eternal, you know, because it says eternal life. It says everlasting life. I looked up definition. And uh, you know what they mean? They mean like eternal <laughs> or everlasting. This Bible's so deep. It's so hard. Amen. Why do people complicate what God made real clear? 
Jerusalem, I said, I don't know what kind of eternal life you got, but you ain't going to like it. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said this in Mark 9. He said, and if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Talking about heaven and hell this morning. Heaven's a gift of God. Hell, that's the gift of man. That's the gift, if you want to call it that, of trying it some other way. Doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Heaven and hell are very different, yet they do have some things in common. Now, after I give you this token of my theological depth for this last point, you'll probably want to raise my support again. By the way, thank you for your confidence. I do appreciate it. Uh, things that heaven and hell have in common. You ready? They both begin with the letter H. I'll give you a second to get your pen. Uh, I know you're going to want write that down. Okay, okay. It gets better than that. They both, not only do they begin with H, the next letter in both of them is E. That spells he. <laughs> and the determining factor <laughs> as to which one you end up in is determined by a he. And he has a name. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Bad choice, and it caused them to end up in the wrong place. You can be the nicest person in town, the friendliest, most charitable, and most faithful in coming to church and things like that, and you miss this thing about putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll end up in the wrong place. Now, this church on this uh, side of this road is not a social organization for people that live far from town to come and gather a couple times a week. The Lord put this church here to be a lighthouse to this area because he's interested in people hearing the truth. How long have you been here? How long has this church been here? 42 years. And boy, I'll tell you, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I know some of you for 20, and this church being put here changed some of y'all's lives, let alone your eternity. And now I'm looking at your children and grandchildren because this exists to point people to him, not us, to Jesus Christ. I hope you end up in the right place. Because if you don't, there's hell to pay. So if you're saved in here, it isn't, uh, isn't it something how easily we take that for granted sometimes. How easily we get caught up with the cares and the affairs of this life. And buddy, there's an onslaught that I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> this world's coming apart at the seams. Just like the Bible said it. But we're left here in such a time 
as this, to not respond the way everybody else responds, not to go with the flow, to hold fast and point people to him while they still got a chance to call on his name, like you did. We've got to keep our focus right. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's why church every week is important. That's why every service is important. You give that flesh a little, it'll take a mile. And then even with that, on occasion, we need to do what we're doing here this week. We set aside a number of days where we seriously try to put everything on the back burner and think about God and think about our relationship with our Bible. Think about inviting people that maybe have turned you down in time past. Maybe a time to call somebody that's strayed and ask them to come. This is a very special week. It doesn't have anything to do with Dave Spurgeon preaching. But God's got a purpose for this. Let's get in on it. Let's, let's take this opportunity to get a little closer to the Lord. For their sake. For that lost and dying world's sake. For that loved one. Amen? That maybe isn't where you wish they would were. Amen? Let's all stand. It says up there on your banner, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And boy, sure enough, he is worthy. And sometimes I just marvel. And I got to deal with reality stuff just like you do. But often I marvel that God lets us get in on that. And he does. And he does more than that. He gives us what we need to maybe point somebody else the right way. Now, if you're in error today and you've never been saved, well, we're glad you're here. And I hope you've enjoyed yourself. And say, well, I don't like your style. I don't either. Come back in two weeks. Get somebody else. But the message is clear, and Jesus Christ is the answer. And the question is, where will I spend eternity? And if you don't know, let one of us open a Bible and show you what the Bible says. Nobody's selling anything. Nobody's trying to convince. I'm not a salesman. But we would love to see you come to an understanding of the truth that will put you in the right place when this thing's over. What song? What number you got, brother? 540. Now the altar's open, and I'm a fan of coming to the altar. And uh, I think if you want God to move this week, uh, you need to become a fan of it too. And uh, if you got somebody that uh, God's laid on your heart, I, I would encourage you to pray for them. We're losing the altar call in this late age, and... Uh, but thank God, not everybody, and I pray Emmanuel takes this thing seriously and worries more about what God thinks than what somebody next to you might think. And let's pray for one another. If you're in there and you're not saved, boy, we'd love to open the Bible. You listen to Brother Pastor Kenny when he uh, finishes singing, and you respond.
And we'll try to help you in any way we can. All right, sir.